Welcome on to the Backstretch. I'm News 5's Heather Williams, and it seems almost apropos that we are talking about driver fights and driver confrontations the week of Darlington, throwback weekend, because the confrontation between Ross Chastain and Noah Gregson, and really just Ross in general, feels like a throwback, feels like a hearkening to a time where drivers just didn't care. They didn't care about you or your attitude or your feelings. They just went out there and got races, got wins, got those checkered flags, got that paycheck and that trophy. I don't think that Ross is as much of a black hat as people try to paint him to be, but I don't think he's as innocent as Ross tries to play he is. Tony Stewart once famously called Carl Edwards the Eddie Haskell of NASCAR. Now, I realize if you're of a certain generation, you have no idea who Eddie Haskell is. So uh, older people humor me for just a second here. And by older, I mean myself included. Eddie Haskell was a character in a 1950s sitcom called Leave it to Beaver. And he was the neighbor of the Beavers. Or of the, actually they were not the Beavers. They were, Beaver was one of the characters. I digress. He was a neighbor of the family in Leave it to Beaver, uh, the Cleavers. And he was always just like, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And just like this smiling, angelic character when the parents were around. But as soon as the parents weren't around, he was the leader of the mischief. He was the guy that was causing all the trouble and he was the nuisance. That's what Ross Chastain has now become, even more so than Carl Edwards was in Tony Stewart's eyes. Ross Chastain is absolutely the guy, for those of you that are maybe a little bit younger, although even our youngest numbers won't, uh, youngest listeners won't get this, but he's Urkel. Did I do that? Yeah, you did that. But now he's just taking crap for things that he didn't even necessarily do, which is kind of what happens when you get that reputation. I think Ross should own it. I think he should strap that black hat on and absolutely own it. Just just be the villain because he's going to be the villain anyway. You might as well take advantage of it, right? Earnhardt was the villain. I don't know that Earnhardt wanted to be the villain. Maybe he did. I don't know that much about Dale, but he owned it. Kyle Busch has owned it, and it's been very successful and very lucrative for their careers to just own that reputation. So I think that Ross should just own it, just be that guy. You know, as far as what went down at Kansas, I I caught the the tail end of it. I was walking down pit road and and saw them breaking up the fight. I didn't see the punch live. I did see Noah tussling with security and trying to get away and being walked down pit road and all of that foolishness that went on. I'm kind of of the camp, and I'll play a couple of drivers here in just a second, but I'm kind of of the camp of you should just let them fight. You should just let them get down, dirty, fall and roll around on the ground, be a hockey fight, just let them do it, let them get them out, keep the pit crews away, keep everybody else away, but just let the drivers work it out themselves. If they want to beat the crap out of themselves, if they want to hurt themselves, if they want to jeopardize their career over some skirmish in the car, let them do it. But I'll let you listen to a couple of different drivers and I'll let you decide what you think they should be doing. So this is going to be Kyle Busch, Joey Logano, and then Harrison Burton. I, I don't know if Noah was the right guy. Um, I think I think Denny has more uh, more reasons 
to do that. But uh, Noah obviously wanted to show his frustration. And I think Noah had somewhat similar philosophy as I did, where it's like the same guy all the time. I'm not going to I'm not going to take that crap and, and, you know, go up to him and confront him. But, um, you know, I, I feel like security stepped in about 10 seconds too quick. So, um, you know, you let one guy get a hell of a hell of a hit in and then you block the other guy from getting a hit back. Like you got to like at least let the guy try and then maybe get in. But um, I would seriously um, urge NASCAR to go with some hockey rules. You know, once you get to the ground, we're going to break it up. Or once one of you guys looks gassed, you know, we're going to break it up. So um, let them get a good 30 seconds in. It's going to be way better for TV and ratings are going to go off the charts. But it allowed me to sit there and enjoy my ice cold Coke and watch a fight for a minute. So, <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't have an answer for you on, on that. Um, I'm not a huge fan of tearing up race cars. Um, because that's dangerous, but I also say it's probably not safe to have fights on pit road either if they're not equally matched, right? You get a big guy versus a little guy. You might rather get run into the wall, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't have the answer, right? You can look at the NHL and sometimes they let them fight and sometimes they don't. I, I don't know. I don't know. There's two ways to look at it, right? I mean, here's the thing is is you see guys that maybe got in a really hard crash and are mad at each other, and one guy might not be feeling good, uh, might have might be a little hurt, and the other guy wants to fight him. I could see how that would be a problem. Um, but then on the other hand, you don't want to just have a guy get punched in the face and not be able to do anything about it either. So it's kind of in between a rock and a hard place. I know the fans love it. I love watching hockey fights or just hockey in general because you know that they're going to be hitting each other hard and stuff. And so it's a, it's a catch-22 for sure. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I definitely could see where Noah would probably have wanted to have at least a fair shot back. But I don't know. It's probably on the safer side of things to separate us. So there you go. You can kind of make your decision on what you think should happen in these situations i don't think drivers should be fighting every week i think if they fight every week it just becomes passe but people are definitely talking about kansas people that normally wouldn't have been paying attention it was a fantastic race i don't know how it played on tv but in person it was definitely the best kansas race probably the best mile and a half race that i've seen in person ever it, it was phenomenal. It was so entertaining. It was, it was, it was such a good race. So you don't want to, that to get muddled too much in the fighting and, and, and that kind of stuff, but a fight every once in a while, and that's what makes people pay attention. It makes what the rivalries are what makes people perk up. So I, I would like to see them, let them fight a little bit longer, but you know, I'm sure NASCAR security knows what's best and, and they stepped in and I respect the heck out of those guys. They're all really good at their jobs for the most part, as long as you stay uh, on the right side of their uh, <laughs> requirements on pit road, they're super friendly guys, but they will step in and they will put you in your line. If you it, put you in line, if you need it. 
and that is what makes them so good at their job. So I'm not faulting them at all. I just wish that, you know, above them would let this go a little bit more. So this week on the backstretch, um, Chris and I are going to talk about a few things. Full disclosure, I was on vacation this week, so this is parts of a conversation I had a week ago with Chris that I saved for this week because I knew I would be off. So we're not going to talk about Kansas. We're not going to talk about fighting. We'll probably talk about that um, when we do the show this week. But just so you're aware, you're like, why are they not talking about this? That's why. Um, I was on vacation this weekend, so Chris and I didn't actually talk this week. Uh, then we're also going to have a conversation that I did do towards the end of the week when I was back in town from my vacation, though not back at work, but back in Bristol, that I did with Rusty Wallace about uh, being one of NASCAR's 75 greatest drivers, as well as the upcoming All-Star Race at North Wilkesboro and what makes North Wilkesboro so great. So fascinating conversation with Rusty. I think you'll really enjoy that. Let's get it going. Next few weeks, we're... Heading into uh, maybe what I might call the nostalgia uh, tour oh, of NASCAR yeah. with Darlington and then North Wilkesboro. Um, how important are those races in the landscape of, of NASCAR to have, especially back-to-back with the, and the throwback weekend in Darlington and the first trip back to North Wilkesboro forever? Just that, that homage to, to the history of the sport in the 75th anniversary, too. That's absolutely right. Um it is to me, Heather. If if you you know you can say, well, wait a minute, the Wilkesboro race is just All Star race, it's a non points race, it's you know hula whatever. This is an opportunity, and Darlington and Wilkesboro back to back, I think are. I think is a is a great situation because, as you said, it's it's a, it's a few days in my mind that will take people back, to times that. I feel like we're the backbone of NASCAR racing. These type tracks and the type racing you'll see and the things that happened at these tracks formed the, the heart of the history of NASCAR racing. And people raced on these tracks in the, you know, way back in the 50s and throughout. And, and I think it's, I think the next, I think that those two weeks are going to be Pretty fun. I think it's going to maybe, hopefully, reach, reach into, reach into some souls of people that are have maybe lost a little bit of interest in the new NASCAR style racing and in the modern stuff. I think you'll see people get a little bit more interested, and they'll talk about, man, back when Dale Earnhardt and Ricky Rudd wrecked at North Wilkesboro, wrecked one another, and I think Jeff Bodine won the race. I can't remember, but. Things that's happened at Darlington throughout the years, uh, to me as an old school racer, it's been around, and I wasn't around in the '60s, but I was, you know, watched races. You know, started racing in the '70s. These are the type of things that I just enjoy going. I just I enjoy going into Darlington. I feel like I'm in a rowing museum or something in a place that's kind of like one of the meccas of NASCAR auto racing. And North Wilkesboro is, I, I just, I don't know, I can't wait. I can't wait to get over there. I can't wait to see how it is. Is it going to be all fun? No, because that's going to be a tough track as far as a competitor goes. It's going to be frustrating. It's going to be aggravating. But that's what digs the best out of you. And I think the fans, I've had so many fans tell me, so many people tell me like, man, those were the best races. I can't wait for them to get back over there. Uh, 
Hopefully it'll grow into something more than just an all-star race. Who knows? But uh, I think it's going to be a pretty cool time, pretty cool few days there in a couple of weeks. And, and I think it's going to be some stuff that true NASCAR fans can really enjoy. Um, good racing. Josh Berry, uh, back in a substitute role at Hendrick Motorsports, uh, Tennessee native, and he's really performed pretty well for a fill-in driver to have the top 10 this week oh, yeah. at, at Dover, which is a good track for him anyway. But um, what do you think? I mean, he's got to end up in a cup car next year, right, just based on the way he's performed? Uh, Heather, I would think so. I mean, he he's a guy that I, I don't know him personally. I've only met him, talked to him a little bit a couple times. Um, but to me, he's like a – He's like a bone deep racer. He knows race cars. He understands the mechanics of the race cars. He he thinks a lot about the the suspension and the chassis setups and so on and so forth. What makes a car go around the racetrack? What makes it drive this way or that way? He's very intelligent about that and he's he's you know been ris been raised in a kind of a short track environment, you know, and Dale Jr has kind of taken him under his wing and, and given him opportunities, opened doors for him, put him in put him in race cars and provided sponsorship and provided funding for him to have good race cars all the way from late models through Xfinity. And now he's getting some chances as the super sub, you know, in, in the Cup Series. And, uh, you know, the guy, the guy has performed pretty doggone well in, in situations that like, he didn't have a lot of preparation time. And that's impressive, especially with a new car that nobody knows a whole lot about. And everybody's still struggling to learn. Uh, and him step in there and, and running a top 10 on Sunday, on Sunday or Monday race, but top series race, pretty doggone impressive. A am I surprised? Am I shocked? Not really, because I think this guy's a true racer. And I think it, when it comes his time, he's gonna step up to the plate and he's going to take it as like, okay, I can do this. And uh, he's performed very well. And yes, to answer your question, I think Josh Berry will be in a full-time cup ride next year. I believe that'll happen. Darlington? And tell me the keys to getting around that place. Oh, Darlington is like, you know, it's the thing is, it's, it's a fairly big racetrack. It's a mile and three-eighths. The way it's shaped and the fact that the the racetrack itself, the racing groove, the racing area, what you have to work with is so narrow. And then as it goes along, the times fall off so quickly, the tires uh, get worn out, get hot, get slick. The racetrack's very unforgiving, but there's yet, if you get that perfect line, if you, may, if you hit all your marks and don't make any mistakes, you're still running really fast. So, to me, it's just the epitome of like a challenge for the driver, the crew chief, the team, the race engineers, the pit crews, everybody there, the spotters, everybody has to be on their toes throughout the whole race. There is no, okay, let's take a breath. There is none of that. I mean, during caution flags, maybe a little bit or whatever, but still you're thinking about the restart, you're thinking about the track position, you're thinking about strategy and all this stuff like that. The driver's in there trying to think, how can I get through this turn better? How can I keep from hitting the wall? 
um, it's it's um, it is to me it's the ultimate challenge for I think it's very much a driver's racetrack but it's also uh, it's a lot of pressure on the crew chief and the team to give the driver a <laughs> good balanced race car that's got some grip some turning ability and also for the pit crew because track position is so important there because it's so hard to pass without getting in trouble so uh, to me, it is like if you win if you win a race at Darlington, you you have done a day's work. You know, going down there and trying to win a race, you got your work cut out for you. So, and that's everybody. So, I look forward to it with our team going. We love Darlington. Parker loves Darlington. Uh, I think that if you talk to drivers down through the years that have won races at Darlington, that's that's those are some of the trophies that they cherish the most because it's a real accomplishment. You know, it's not like speedway racing or some of the intermediate tracks or, or maybe uh, even some of the short tracks that are, that are not so hard, so difficult. Darlington is, is every lap is difficult. Doesn't matter, practice, qualifying, early in the race, right after restarts, 30 laps into a run, it's, it's difficult. It never, the intensity never goes down. So um, anyway, I, I, if we had enough people to put sides on every week, I'd like to run 10 races at Darlington. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's famous for that. You know, they don't call it Darlington Stripes for anything. It's, it's earned, that, earned that name. So uh, to me, it's always a good time to look forward to races at Darlington. Rusty, so first of all, thank you so much for joining me. First question I got to ask you is because we're here to talk about the All Star Race. How cool is it to be going back to North Wilkesboro? Uh, to go back to North Wilkesboro is something I'm so excited about. That's a track that I won at several times. It was a great track for me. Uh, that's where I kind of cut my teeth on the short tracks in NASCAR. I was able to win a lot of races on them. But when that racetrack went away and went off the schedule, I mean, there was a lot of us really saddened and hated to see it go. We knew that new development was coming, new tracks were being built, and they needed those dates to fulfill those other ones. But, man, uh, it was terrible. But when uh, Wilkesboro was able to get revived and Marcus Smith and his guys from Charlotte Motor Speedway were able to purchase that track and back in the day and revitalize it now with the help of the North Carolina people, uh, it made everybody so happy. And I go back and forth in Interstate to Highway 421 quite a bit going up to the Boone Banner Elk area. And I'm seeing signs all over the place right now. Everybody's pumped up that the track's back. So it's going to be completely sold out. It's the talk of the town. I'm excited. I'm pumped up. I will be there announcing the race for the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. So I'll be really watching what's going on. So... Obviously, the 75th anniversary, and you're one of the drivers that's going to be uh, honored as the 75. You were on the on the on the original 50. When you look at this three week span, and I throw Kansas in there because I thought that that was one of the best races we've seen in a long time. How big can this three weeks be with the with Kansas, the momentum of that race, then going to uh, to uh, Darlington with all the throwback stuff and honoring the the top 75, then right into Wilkesboro. This just seems like this could be a huge month for the, for the sport. I, I totally agree with you. There's a lot of momentum going on right now. Kansas city was really exciting. You know, they, they, a lot of passing that looked real, real good. And now to go to Wilkesboro for this all-star race and all the things leading up to it. I mean, there's golf tournaments going on. There's special events happening. 
Uh, there's motorcycle charity rides coming into the track on Sunday. In fact, uh, Kent, Clint Boyer uh, started this. I'll be doing it. My son Steve's going to be riding with him. A lot of people on Sunday morning when we, when we ride from Tilly Harley-Davidson here in North Carolina over to the racetrack. Those are a handful of things that are happening. But uh, I will tell you that the, the excitement and, and the chatter that you hear around here about this race is just unbelievable. So unbelievable in a good way. And the amount of money they have spent on that racetrack, rebuilding it and, do, and modernizing it, it's been monumental, close to $20 million. I mean, tons of stuff on drainage, tons of stuff for the fans, a lot of things to bring the track up to new conditions, but we're going back to an old track. And uh, the people are hoping they're going to see some bumping and banging and a lot of excitement. Why do you think the NASCAR all-star event is so much different than other sports? Because in other sports, it feels like they're pulling back. Like it's not really like a baseball game anymore. Football, they're doing skills competitions and NHL and that kind of stuff. Why do you think the NASCAR race seems to be the one that continues to kind of, I don't know, Grow, grow, grow as much excitement as a regular race, right? It's well, the one that holds the, up. And the reason that is, is because there's no points. There's no points being paid towards the championships. It's take the gloves off, get right down, and you're only going for the money and the victory. A lot of the people would tell you, hey, go out there and drive your guts out. Don't worry about it. If you just bring home the steering wheel, I'm going to be happy. And uh, they're not worried about, oh, if I can't fall out of this race, if I fall out of it, it's going to hurt my chest chance for the championship stuff like that it's no hold barred it's wide open just go for it and the people know that the race fans know that and they're so excited to go watch that they want to see like i said earlier the beating and the banging the aggressiveness the, the excitement people standing on your on their feet hollering and screaming and it's just going to be that attitude because i mean i've seen this race run at charlotte motor speedway i've seen it run in texas and now to put this thing on a short track when those drivers are that jacked up going for all that money, it's going to be monumental. It's going to be fantastic. What was your favorite thing or what's one thing maybe memory that sticks out about North Wilkesboro? Uh, it had to be just my victories up there. I've had three or four of them and I've had some good runs and I've had some bad runs. And I had somebody ask me the other day about what's one of your more, more funny deals. And I said, well, I was leading the race with one lap to go up in North Wilkesboro. I was actually, uh, and I had Jeff Bodine behind me. And with one lap to go, he bumped me in the back, knocked me up the racetrack, and he took the lead. And I'm thinking, well, I'm going to lose this race. Well, I caught him back again going into turn three, and I hit him back in the rear bumper, knocked him up the racetrack. I went on to win the race, which was fantastic. But when I came down pit road, this lady leaped over the wall and started, I, I dropped my window net down, waving at people. She jumped over a wall and started just beating on my helmet and slinging. I saw hands coming everywhere. And then come to find out it was the, the wife of the crew chief for Jeff Bodine, who I just bumped out of the way. <laughs> so she was fired up, man. She was just hating it that they did not win the race and that I did win. So, but And I was hating it, though, that I got bumped in the back and I had to bump him back to get back to the front. So that was racing. That's excitement. And that's what you're going to see for the all-star race, a lot of that exciting type of stuff. And uh and uh, I'm just so glad we're going back there. Even though it's an all-star race, it's not a points-paying race, to me, it's still going to be monumental. You say that, that, that that's racing. This is going to be my, my final question for you. Um, so do you like the fact that, you know, you're starting to see more personality and, I mean, everything that went on in Kansas? It seems like it's, a, it's, it's swinging back a little more old school in the way the drivers are kind of coming out of their shell a little bit. 
you know, personalities, aggressiveness, um, stuff like that, that sells tickets, that sells excitement. And that's just part of it. You know, we're just not going to drive around there like a little courteous driver, not touching anybody and doing everything that proper. We're going to race hard, man. We're going to get after it. And that's what's going to happen at Wilkesboro. People want to see that. All right. So for my final thought coming off this conversation with Rusty, I wanted to talk about the NASCAR 75 greatest drivers list. I definitely think there are a few drivers towards the bottom that we could grapple about whether or not they should be in there. I'm never a huge fan of loading this thing up with recent drivers. I think that there are far too many active drivers on this list. If I was making the list, I maybe put three active drivers on there, maybe just two, but I'm certainly not going to argue by the time we get to 100, all of the drivers that are on this list will definitely would definitely be on my list, but I'm more about going back in history and going through history. And I definitely think that there are some drivers that should be on this list that are not just for instance, I think that Janet Guthrie and Wendell Scott should be on this list. Uh, first of all, I don't understand why Wendell's not. If you're in the Hall of Fame, I feel like you're one of the 75 greatest drivers of all time. But I think both of them for just what they did for the sport and the trailblazers they were in the sport and what they were accomplished, able to accomplish with all sorts of adversity and people that didn't want them to win and drivers that didn't want them to win and sponsors that didn't want them on the track and all the things that went on. And for them to be as accomplished as they were, I believe those two should should be on the list. Um, there's others that, you know, again, I think if you're in the Hall of Fame, you should be on the NASCAR 75 greatest drivers. So, but overall, it's a good list. It, it's a very good list. I mean, and it's really cool to look back at not just the 25 new drivers that they introduced, because I think for the most part, most of us are are familiar with most of these guys on this list. But to really dig back into the entire list and the history and just what each of these individual drivers have meant to the sport, because we do get really caught up in what's going on now and what's happened in our lifetime and what our points of reference are. But to be able to go back and look at the list and, and be like, why is Fred Lorenzen one of the greatest 75 of all time? What did he bring to the sport who were Joe Weatherly and Marshall Teague and Marvin Ponch like who were these guys and what did they bring to the sport I think that that is the coolest thing about something like this and to have it all culminate at Darlington where it basically all began I know technically it wasn't the first NASCAR race it wasn't the first Daytona race it wasn't any of those things but the oldest speedway on the circuit I think that that's brilliance by NASCAR to do this on throwback weekend where your mind's already set on history and, and learning about those things. So I would encourage you if you haven't really looked at a list of who these guys were and really Google them and, and dig deep into who these guys are and what they brought to the sport, I would encourage you to do that because, you know, there is, there is no Ryan Newman without Jerry Cook modified guy right there is no dale jr without dale senior you know there is 
no Greg Biffle without Tim Flock. Like, all these guys built the foundation of the sport, and each guy stood on the shoulders of the guy before them. So, I just think that you should, you know, take a look at that and really dig deep, boil down a little bit deeper into who these guys are and why they're so important to the sport. Enjoy the race at Darlington. Get excited for next week because we're going back to North Wilkesboro and we'll see you next week as well on the backstretch.